Welcome back. Thank you for hanging out with us once again. This is the one and only IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Waltonspiel, hanging out with producer extraordinaire Randy Walker. Guest this week, longstanding attendee at the IT in the D shows, pink slip parties going back, shoot, almost 10 years. Jim Beiermeister's in the house from RMC. This is almost going to be a part two of a two-parter on recruiting, job seeking, uh, talent gaps, skills, interviewing tips. Uh, from from Matt Turner a couple weeks ago, so I want to get it. We're going to get a, a Jim's viewpoint on this, but you can find us online itinthed.com and do us a favor, give us a like on the socials, subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Uh, if you get listen to this uh, Thursday morning when the when the show releases, we're going to have an uh, event that night on the twenty fourth of uh, March. We're going to be at uh, Yield Saloon in Royal Oak, five o'clock until question mark. No speaker, no cover, no. Just come on out, hang out with IT folks, and uh, have a drink or not, and make make of it what you wish. I know Jim has been to a few of those events. How you doing, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me on the program tonight. Has it been 10 years since you've been coming to our events? I think it's pretty close. Yes. I was going to say, you were uh, when the market was was ripe, you were, you were a fixture. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how much you can tell by into the market when you're like, you know, we used to throw those pink slip parties because our events would get just flooded with people out of work and, and, and recruiters looking for work. And then it started slowing down and we're like, I wonder if the job market's better or what's going on. So we're seeing the same downturn. We're like, we haven't seen a recruiter, Randy. When's the last time we saw like, like more than two recruiters at an event. It's been, it's been six, it's been a while, I think. Yeah. At least six to eight, nine months. Um, so I want to get your, point jim are the people that you're looking for sitting in a, in a chair already working or what uh i guess what's going on with the market these days yeah i mean it's it's pretty much full employment in the it sector that's for sure i mean i think that goes without saying um there are too many jobs and not enough people um i mean i think that uh, you know the recession has definitely uh changed people's view on on work obviously you know there's a whole great recession phenomenon that went on um, and people can really kind of pick their pick their lane, pick the opportunities that they want. They're highly coveted, and uh, I mean, unfortunately, we just haven't been able to really do a lot of in person meetings over the last couple of years. And uh, I'm glad to see you guys are getting back to that coming up here uh, later this week. I'm really looking forward yeah. to coming and visiting you guys. Yeah, look forward to seeing you as well. We talked about that with Matt as well about the Great Resignation, and it wasn't necessarily that people are quitting the workforce they're quitting crappy jobs and going to places that are making themselves competitive. Um, what, what have you, has anything stuck out to you crazy that companies are doing to try to entice employment? Um, other than, other than the basics, are they, are they paying more? Are they giving better stock options? What are, are they just giving freedom to work from home? What, what, what are you seeing that's kind of outside the norm? Uh, what I, what I would think is, um, you know, ideal working conditions. Yeah, I mean, the, the norm has changed a little bit here in the last couple of years, but people are definitely getting better paydays. There's no question about that. Companies are, are incentivizing people to stay uh, with, in, uh, with compensation. Uh, obviously, the flexibility to work from home has been a, a game changer pretty much in the industry. I mean, everyone's taking advantage of that and looking for that opportunity, although I'm starting to see more people looking forward to getting back and interacting with people. Um but I think a lot of people just took inventory over this whole process of this pandemic on their lives and 
and specifically their work. I mean, we spend a lot of time in our, in our workplaces and working with people. And if you're not happy there, you know, just going through that grind for a whole career isn't really going to do it anymore. And you don't have to do it anymore. You can go and find more fulfilling work. You can find your passions and follow your passions and get paid well to do them. Where before the risk may not have been as good as potentially at least the financial rewards of doing that. Are you, uh, are you, seeing like zoom slash webex slash teams fatigue instead of you know walking by your desk and going hey randy you know there people are you know we need to schedule a half an hour teams call now um are you seeing any fatigue in that or is it just part of the it's just the a new day yeah i think it's just part of the whole ecosystem now i mean i utilize it quite a bit uh we made a quick pivot to that uh when things hit back a couple of years ago and and it's been a, a really uh, kind of streamlined the process for us in a lot of ways because we really commit to meeting just about everyone that we place, either in person. And that's really how we did it most of the time before is uh, before the pandemic was in person and the video capabilities through Skype and such were there. But those were for people that were out of state or really too far to make it feasible to, to drive over to our office or, or meet us at a coffee shop halfway. So that has really made our jobs quite a bit easier, frankly. Are you, uh, are you getting feedback from the, you know, the end users, the customers, the clients that, you know, that, that are recruiting people or they're using you to recruit people. Are you getting feedback on, on productivity? Cause I've always, in, in my mind, I think it folks are more productive when you, when you leave them the hell alone, let them do what they're good at. Um, Am, am I, you know, are you getting that same feedback from, from the corporate level or from the, from the big companies? Well, I'm definitely not getting an adverse reaction to it. I mean, I think that people when given autonomy and the, the, the ability to just manage their own day are just going to be more productive generally. Um, and I think the problem is that people can't disconnect necessarily from work as, as easy as they used to be able to when they were coming into the office. You know, you close down your laptop and walk out where now your office is in your living room or in your basement and you're pretty much there all the time. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. You, you kind of get stuck and you're you're just working all the time if you don't plan breaks and take those breaks. Otherwise, um, I think that companies in, in general are seeing the benefit of letting folks work from home. And, and again, having that autonomy and uh, ability to just set their own, their pace. I mean, obviously they're See, gonna- my thing. My thing's almost a, my thing, Jim's almost like a double-edged sword. Like I just answered, you know, three, four emails before the show and it's, you know, nine o'clock at night on a Monday here. And uh, it's the same philosophy I have when I'm on vacation, when I'm in Mexico or something and, you know, my wife's getting ready and I go and clear out my email because I know when I get home, like, I don't want a thousand emails in my inbox. Just like, I'm like, I did that now because I knew my eight, my 8 AM wouldn't, my inbox wouldn't be so crazy. So it's kind of a, I don't mind doing emails at nine o'clock at night. If it makes my morning easier. I don't know if that makes any sense. Am I, am I the weird one? No, not at all. I think again, it, it just, you have the time, you have the means. It fits within your, your situation, your, your lifestyle at, the, at any given time. And, and as long as it's not putting you out and getting you in trouble with the better half, knock it out. Get it out of the way. I'm down here in my new basement anyway. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I'm here and it's like I'm in my workspace slash podcasting studio slash, you know, workout room now and slash 
movie room slash, you know, then in the bars night to the left. So, I mean, you know, get a little bit of everything <laughs> down here. Right. So in terms of skills gaps, are you, what, I guess the demand shifts, because we see it all the time on, on, at least on the dev side and on the, you know, are you seeing more on the dev side, less on the Cisco side? Because that used to dominate. Are you seeing kind of a mix? You know, I guess there's an influx of now of like the whole data science world, um, you know, people doing AI and ML, machine learning. What what are you seeing from a, from a skills request, skills gap uh, out in the field? I mean, it does run a pretty wide gamut. I mean, I think that the the unemployment doesn't uh, really discern between development or security or infrastructure and operations. I mean, it's cutting across the whole spectrum of, of IT and, and even outside of IT. Uh, I mean, there's obviously things that are emerging and technology continues to develop and advance. Um, you know, where I'm seeing things is kind of where you, you keyed in on, specifically around data science. Um, I mean, if you can't do SQL uh, as a developer or even as an analyst these days, um, you're going to be hard pressed to probably get a real serious look. Um, and, and really, it's, it's kind of blurring between the analysts and the folks that are doing the data science type work because they're working so closely now and hand in hand. And it's in real time. You know, you can get the access to this stuff um, and, and present it in dashboards and reporting mechanisms so much quicker than you used to be able to do it, especially with the proliferation of data lakes and, and data warehousing technology. I mean, that stuff is starting to really, really advance quite a bit. And the demand for people with those skills is, is probably the, the most uh, prevalent right now for me. Is it more than security in general, or is it just just for you? Well, I, I mean, it might just be in my, the world I'm in. I mean, security is still out there. I have a few security openings right now that I'm working on, but it seems like just development and data, uh, whether it be data engineering, data management, data-based uh, de- development, or even database administration. I mean, you still have to tune these systems so that they continue to run at a high availability for all the people that are, are hitting on this data. So that's it's funny. Happened. I've always, yeah, I've always been on the infrastructure side, and now I'm, I'm both right on the data side. Yeah. And it's funny. You need a company to ingest the data. You need a company to compartmentalize the data. You need a company to move the data securely, and then you need a company to showcase the data in pretty little pie charts. It's, it's funny how, like, all these companies, uh, maybe they've been around for a while, and this is just new to me. Um, but it, but it's funny that there's just, you know, there's no single solution in that world. And there's such a influx of data. It's, it's kind of nuts. Sure. Well, and I mean, obviously the, the whole cloud situation and just the hosting of all this data is, is really big on that infrastructure side. So the people that can manage those environments, set those up and, and configure them so that they run smoothly is definitely part of the equation. So, I guess talk to me through like I heard some horror stories from Matt with people like in the interviewing process that like just no calling, no showing or treating you like dirt. Like I read the regs all the time and the Reddit boards on recruiting hell. And it's 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 I don't know if it's just people that it's kind of like Yelp or just people that had bad experiences, bitch. But like the recruiting landscape is very odd these days where like you have some really, really good ones like you like you and Matt. And you have people that just completely, you know, piss in the pool. Um, 
you know, what, what are you seeing from an interview standpoint? Are you getting good feedback from like job seekers or, or is it, you know, are you getting cold shoulders What or is it a little bit of everything? Yeah. I mean, it, it does. It's pretty um, diverse in that way. I mean, you get people that just want to know how much it's paying, you know, where the location is. Can I work remote? Or they're just hitting you for just the, the is it, is that okay? Not really. Not, not in my opinion. I mean, I want, we're trying to develop rapport and relationships here. I mean, I'm trying to help people change their livelihood and I don't, I don't take that lightly. So just, I'm not looking at it as a commodity situation and and buy and change. I'm looking at it as I want to understand what your current situation is, what you're looking for in your next career move. And it may be on my desk today, but it may not be on my desk for another three or four weeks or a month or two. You know, and I want to know more about you and what drives you and what's motivating you to make a change than I do about how much money you want and what the location is. I mean, those things are going to be important in the intake call. But for me, I'm I'm, I'm typically not even I have to kind of whet their appetite a little bit with the job specification at a high level. But once I get someone on the phone, I don't even talk about that job until I get well into the conversation and really understand where they're coming from, because I could be way off. You know, they, they could not even be looking to do what that job entails, but it was enough to get them on the phone with me because it had some of the characteristics that they're doing today or they may have done in the past. And it's just giving me an opportunity to get a better understanding of really where they're headed and then either apply that job if it makes sense. If not, we're going to go ahead and, and look at other opportunities in my network to, to get them the right thing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, uh, the issues, just the stuff that I always, that I see on the regular, it's just, you know, talking to a recruiter and, you know, I'm a whatever dev and he's looking for a, you know, like a Cisco network architect and like, why are you calling me? And it's like, that's where like they get the bad names is like the, the, the filter system is just, you know, they might be putting, you know, cause let's be honest, they put a lot of new college grads into, into recruiting roles and just smile and dial. And they're just trying to get as much hits as possible and without learning what stuff is, I guess, what's, what's the quickest way, I guess, to get, is it just getting immersed in the technology? Is it, is it buying engineers beers? What's uh to get ramped up in the nomenclature? What's, what's your best strategy for that? As a recruiter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just done through, through doing the job. I mean, you know, it's hard as a recruiter, unless you really specialize in one area, SAP or, this is intelligence. And in my world, and for most of my career, I've been pretty technology and job agnostic. As long as it was in the wheelhouse of technology or IT in some form or fashion, I was going to take it on. And I was going to try and help my clients find the right people and the people find the right jobs in that space. So for me, it's really just better understanding, again, where the, where the individual is trying to go with their career. And then listen. So I'm, I'm hearing what they're they're doing and what they're looking for. And I have enough wherewithal. I, I talk about kind of being like a mile wide inch deep on the technologies. I mean, you just can't know it all in my world because I, I just, I can't specialize in everything. So I know enough to ask good questions, listen, document, and then associate that to what my clients are looking for in the job specification. That makes right, sense. Right. And yeah, I have to do some absolutely. research there. You know, I can't just totally wing it. I mean, when I take the job spec, I, I get up to speed on technologies that I'm not familiar with. I'll do a, a Google search on it and I'll read up on it. And again, just get a very high level understanding. 
But in a lot of ways, I, I really leave it to the candidate to educate me along the way, as well as my clients. No, I mean, here's the thing. You're not in technology. If you haven't heard of a company or a or something or a product that you've never heard of before yesterday, it's just, it's inevitable. There's going to be something across your desk today that you're like, what the hell is that? Right. Um, you know, and, and you don't have to pretend to know it all. Just got to, you just got to know the basics. Um, yeah. And that was, uh, you know, part of that, I guess, interview process. I mean, what are other than, you know, cause here's the thing I get, here's the thing with Here's my point originally. And then I'll get back to what I was saying is you got to, you know, it's almost like the friend that your crappy friend that only calls you when he needs you. It's like, I almost feel like the, the, the IT community hates your guts until they really need you. Yeah. And then you're their best friend. And you go from this, like, you know, you go from a pariah to being like Miss America, like overnight. Um, what is that just ebbs and flows of the job? You know, part of it, am I, am I oversimplifying it? Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, you just have to earn the respect with these people by asking good questions, engaging them properly uh, with a with an approach that says, hey, I'm, I'm seeking to understand where you're coming from. And then I'm going to bring you opportunities that are going to are going to align with that. So it's really just relationship building at its finest. It's hard because you're talking to so many people to build you know, long term, deep relationships with everyone. But there's a subset that kind of comes out of all those conversations that you keep in regular contact with. I and mean, we have a system here where we're, we're making sure we have touch points with candidates that we talk with. Um, if they didn't get the job, I, I keep people's resumes on my desk that I meet. I have physical resumes on my desk of the people that I meet via those Zoom calls that I talked about earlier. And even if they don't get the job, I'm keeping their resumes or at least their name in my uh, file system until they find a job. And I'm following up with them, at least on a monthly basis, just to circle back and make sure that I'm keeping on top of where they're headed, uh, helping them make connections in other areas if I can't get them something myself. And and that's really what it, it comes down to is just credibility. And you build that over time. Uh, it's hard to you know have somebody change their life today based on a one phone call that I give them because I found their name on Indeed.com or something. Well, I brought it up with Matt and I'll bring it up with you again too. It's, you know, we've been talking for years that like the business world and dating is, is almost the mm-hmm. same in terms of the relationship stuff. You can't ask that, that mundane, que- that question in dating and expect to get like, you know, will you go to sleep with me? It might work once every 50 times, but those 49, you're getting slapped. Right. Um, I feel like that's how people think like, it's just a, you know, it's just transactional when it's so much relationship based. And And here's the thing, like, everyone kind of moves around in this business. It's kind of inevitable. And it's just like those friendships always stay with it's, it's funny, like this weird excitement when you go somewhere new and then a year later, nobody cares that you're there. <laughs> but like, if you go somewhere else and all of a sudden it's like, you know, let's, let's reinvent, you know, let's look down the, you know, see what we can do now. Uh, well, how much do you get? Like, does there, anyone ever get labeled by going, moving too much or is it just part of the business or, or how do you, how do you look at it? Yeah, I mean, I think probably in IT, it's more acceptable to be a little bit more nomadic um, just through the nature of IT. It's highly project-based typically, unless you're in like a support role, a long-term support role or something like that. Um, the nature, even if you're in a large organization, is to be project-based and it's going to be you know, project by project, department by department. Or if you're in a smaller organization, it might be one product that you're working on and, and you're building that out. And then when that's done... Typically, uh, 
I guess the time frame is right around about an 18 month window. Um, 18 months to two years okay. is when people are making those changes. If you're moving every six months, um, it's probably not a, not a good thing to have in your your, your resume. And when your, you look at it going, was it you? Like, you know, and right. I've made some bad calls over the last, you know, five years or so. And it's, it's hard to tell that story. It's, you know, I just landed at a new place and telling that story, it's, you know, I had to just flat out be honest. Right. And, uh, I think that's something a lot of us forget is just, just, you know, flat out honesty and being home. Like I got told, oh, you know, uh, a job I was l talking to, they're like, you know, appreciate you being so humble about all, all of this. And I didn't get, I didn't get it there, but I don't think that was why. Um, but I think that's a big part of it is just, you know, you got to have, everyone's got an ego in this business, but just kind of breaking it down to reality helps a lot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, obviously honesty and just being upfront is, is paramount. I mean, there's no reason to hide anything. Uh, I mean, obviously people have to make changes sometimes that they don't, they didn't anticipate and they don't necessarily want to make, but just circumstances prevailed that where they're at today just isn't working. And it was best efforts, best, best foot forward on it. But for whatever reason, it just didn't work. Now, if that's having ever happening every six months, you probably are you really need to reset your, your job search uh, criteria and parameters and probably get with a, a consultant or an agent that can help you navigate some of that as far as making sure you're getting into the right opportunity, the right organization out there. Because there's just tons right. of opportunity. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to land a job in a culture um, and a company that you believe in and can get behind with management that's going to support your professional development and passions for whatever you do. It's out there. It's just, you just need to be led to it. It's I'll, I'll bring this up with you. I want to, I'm curious your take. I brought it up with Matt. Mm -hmm. um, the place I went to had a brilliant answer for culture mm -hmm. and uh, that word, that word's used very loosely out there. Yeah. And uh, you know, they, they told me flat out that we're not look, looking for culture fits. We're looking for culture contributors. And I was like, that was my aha moment going, you know, that basically what they're saying is we accept everyone from any walk of life. Your story is what makes our company unique, not our company makes, you know what I'm, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They kind of flipped, they kind of flipped it. And I think it's I, me personally, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, how do you, when that word comes out, cause I've, I've always heard like, if you hear that we're a family and our culture is great that you just run for the Hills, right. what, what are our companies still kind of holding to that? Or what, what are they, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, I mean, I think culture comes down to a little bit more of just the mindset, the vision of the company. Um, I mean, culture obviously has to do with what's going on in the four walls and what it's like to be hanging out with the people there. But I, I think that's really driven by the leadership of the organization and what their vision is for the company. And are you behind that? And I think people do themselves a disservice when they, especially in IT, when they just focus on the technologies and the project they're going to be on, you got to kind of open it up and get a little bit broader and understand the bigger picture. And, and that will help you understand really what that culture is probably going to be like. You know, if they're trying so, to innovate, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, I mean, if they're trying to innovate, if they're on the leading edge, you know, it's probably going to be trial and error, um, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. If it's a well-established company that's getting on board with things that have already been proven in the marketplace, and now they're just trying to trying to get in line and compete, 
um, you know, there's there's a little bit more, I guess, um, structure to that, and it's going to be a little bit a little bit easier for you to probably get in the stream there. Where if you're going to a place that's again innovating, it's going to be dynamic, and you just need to understand that it's going to probably be a little bit chaotic from time to time, and you have to be good with that. So just like the industry shifts, I'm wondering, does the actual job seeking process shift? Has it shifted over the last several years? Like uh, anything from like things you should or shouldn't do on your resume anymore to questions you should or shouldn't ask anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of PC stuff that's eked into the, into the the mix here. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, obviously the vehicle for getting in touch with companies for jobs uh, as the vehicles have changed. Um, I mean, I used to look at resumes that were being faxed to me, you know, and now, I mean, I can literally share a job description or get a resume in, in two seconds, you know, over LinkedIn or through a text. I mean, there's just so many ways and it, it's probably hurting the market a little bit for us as recruiters because there's just so many ways to get at candidates. There's just a lot of noise in that in that channel and breaking through that noise is really challenging for people on my side of the, of the business. Um, and as far as best practices and things of that nature are concerned, I mean, resumes should be pretty, pretty easy to read. Um, you know, recruiters will go through and, and screen those pretty quick. You know, they'll go through it at the first rush or the first blush and just look for the keywords, look for job titles and things where it resonates with them on whatever jobs they're seeking to fill. Um, but they will ultimately read into those resumes a little bit deeper. At least I do, especially when we start getting down to brass tacks. Like I'm going to submit your profile to my client because I mean, that's, that's the car coming out of the showroom. So I need to make sure that that is polished and it's free of anything that's going to distract from representing you in the best light possible. So you don't want misspellings in there. You don't want a bunch of, in my opinion, this is again, some opinions from, from my vantage point here, you don't want a, a lot of graphics and things like that. You want to just keep it very easy to consume. Um, you want to use it in kind of third person. You don't want to say, I did, I developed this, just say developed and analyzed and just make statements in there. You probably want three or five to seven, I would say would be max bullet points per job. Focus on accomplishments. When you're in technology, you have to have some technical uh, components in there. I think it's okay at the end to put a technology overview or a technology summary where you just list the technologies that you use, but incorporate them a little bit in your your bullet points as well. Um, Probably go back. I wouldn't probably go back much more than 10 years on experience, frankly. Uh, Keep it in in more relevant terms. And other than that, um, you know, just make sure that you're, you're, you're proofreading it. I guess that would be the best thing because the managers, they're going to look through it. I mean, I get it more times than I like to admit that sometimes I miss some things. Uh, and those, those managers are call you out on it real fast. And so it, that was, uh, my, big, my big thing, Jim was, was resume writers. I talked about it a little bit before I yeah. talk about it all the time, actually, yeah. that it, 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 to me, that's like the worst snake oil salesman in the business. Because like, if you can't speak to the stuff on your resume, like, just stop. I mean, are you seeing less and less and less like resume writing firms and companies? Cause I think, I think it's all garbage and trash. Yeah. I really don't see much of that at all. And I definitely wouldn't encourage anybody to probably 
pay for someone to do that. Now, you know, a consultant can help some high level, C level people uh, put together their their resume a little bit and their profile and make sure that they're they're incorporating the right dynamics and the right elements into their resume, but no one should be writing your resume for you. Like you said, I mean, it's your, it's your experience and you need to be able to speak to anything you put on that resume. Well, and that's what I always thought too. Like, even like with this podcast, like, you know, you're not reading notes and you didn't give me stuff to talk about. We're just talking and because right. you know your business and it's like, it's, I feel the same way with a resume. If you know your business and know what you did. Like if there's even a project you did 10 years ago or a deal that I closed 15 years ago, I might not, I might not remember all the names right now, first and last, but I remember every nuance of that deal. Right. Like I genuinely can. So, you know, maybe I'm the weirdo, but like you should know your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what about um, questions that the candidate should or should not ask anymore during the actual interview process? Is there any changes there over the years, things that uh, people aren't asking that they should or things that no longer should be asked? Yeah, I, I don't think that I've, I've come across anything that anyone's asked that I've been like, ooh, you need to be careful asking that. Um, you know, obviously you want to be you want to be professional, especially when it comes to prior experience. Um you know, you don't want to badmouth your, your former employer or former managers. Uh, there's no place really for that. Stay focused on yourself and what your your capabilities are and why you're the right fit for the job. Uh, I think where uh, candidates do the biggest disservice, they don't ask any questions. You know, it comes to the end of the, the interview and they're like, what questions do you have for us? I say, oh, I, I don't really have anything. I've, you know, you guys mentioned everything that I was I was curious about. You want to make sure that you've got a, a list of questions. And even if some of those are covered, uh, there, there's always needs to be a couple of questions, smart questions in there. Um, if nothing more than why do you like working for XYZ company? I think that's probably the best question you can ask. Is why are you? Why do you like working with the company? I forget. It's a, I think it's a YouTuber or someone they do like the best and worst Randy. You probably know who I'm talking about. They're like, what's your favorite? What's your least favorite? I always heard that was a real good question. It was like, what's your best part about working here? What's your least favorite? Um, you know, with me being in sales, I always said, why, you know, what happened to my predecessor? You know, I, I, did they get fired for missing their number? You know, you know, you know, me, I always, you know, I have, I have genuinely, I have like 10 of them, you know, how many of your reps are out at plan in the country? Right. So like, I, you know, I know what I do. Right. So like, I think that, you know, that's kind of my advice is, you know, what do you, you know, kind of talk, or this is net addition to the team. Did someone quit? Why did they quit? You know what I mean? Um, Those are all very valid questions that should be addressed. Well, and I I think another set of questions that uh, goes a little bit hand in hand with that is what are the expectations you have of, of me if I were to get this role in the first 30 days, 90 days and a year from now? You know, where, where do you expect me to be and what should I be bringing to the table for you in this company and those those milestones? Dude, um, that's something I did, too. And I was I, I, to, to kind of differentiate myself as I I did like a, a four page PowerPoint. And after like the after like the second or third interview, when I knew that this was something I wanted, I kind of put together my 30, 60, 90 plan. Here's what I, you know, and I know they didn't read it, um, but I put forth the effort. Um, how many do you see people doing that right now? Is there I mean, for, for the most part, they're GitHub speaking for themselves. But anything over and above, obviously, don't send cookies. 
Um, right. <laughs> um, but what, you know, anything over and above that you can, you could do to differentiate yourself. Um, I mean, I think, especially when it comes to people that are doing UI development or more visual responsibilities, um, I, I think having a portfolio is, is highly important. And a lot of companies do want to see that. I think you need to be careful about bringing too much into an interview and sharing too much. I would, I would probably, I, I've got individuals that I bring in even for myself to, to do my interviews for um, before taking them to the client and they'll bring portfolios in and they'll just start going through all of it with me. And I, I say to have it, but use it in moderation. I guess that would be my best advice on that, that front. Cause some people just, they're so excited to share their stuff that they kind of, bastardize the conversation and the next thing you know you're not even being interviewed and it can be a it can be a quick turnoff i don't know if that answered your question or not but no it absolutely did i just you know some you know that was a what not to do but what about what to do right yeah, um right is there anything anything that sets you apart or that you're like oh wow this person would really went over and above you know I, I nothing really stands out bob um i think one of the things that you want to make sure you do after every interview is send a thank you note in some form or fashion. I mean, I prefer, is that, is that not being done these days anymore? I don't think everybody's doing it. No. I mean, I have to prompt most of the people that I work with to, to do that. God said that, that's so second nature. Yeah. I mean, I'll hang up and I'll send the recruiter saying just wrapped with so-and-so. And then I'll, you know, I typically wait like two, three hours. I don't want to be like, you know, as soon as I hang up, they're getting a thank you. Right. Um, so I always try to like end a business or next morning or something. Yeah. Um, but I, to me, that's shocking that people aren't kind of just, you know, um, doing that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. no handwritten cards, right. That's kind of tacky. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if I receive a handwritten note that, that goes a long way with me personally. So if you have the means to do it, uh, and I think it kind of depends a little bit on the position that you're interviewing for as well. I mean, and in your personality, I think it, those kind of all come into play there. Uh, personally, I, I think a handwritten note is a pretty class move. I don't see how anybody could get upset with somebody that drops a handwritten note in the mail after an interview or a meeting or anything of that nature, frankly. But I don't think it's required. But it, before, it probably was. You know, A decade ago, it was probably more important to do something like that, where with technology today, I think a well-written email is just fine. No, that's fair. So we kind of touched on this a little bit in pieces earlier on, but say I am looking for a new job and want to work with a recruiter. Mm -hmm. What should I look for in a recruiter and how should I go about finding a recruiter? Good call, Randy. Yeah. Um, well, they can always call me. But <laughs> Fair. You yeah. can always go to IT in the D. Yeah, they can always go to IT. There are meetups for sure, but uh, no, say I I'm looking out on my own. You know, yeah. what am I looking for? How do I start reaching out to recruiters? And yeah. should I go with the first one that reaches out to me instead? Or well, I, how should I, I handle working with a recruiter? Yeah, I don't think you can ever go wrong talking with a, with a few recruiters. I mean, I don't have access to every job that's out there by any means in every industry. You know, I have my, my clients that I'm in close with and tight with. And my competition out there has the same with their clients. Sometimes we cross paths. But I think... Uh, all said, you probably want to leverage your network. Um, everyone's got colleagues and friends that have made job changes and moves and family and stuff that, that has the connections and ask around. I'd probably start there. Start with your network and find people that have engaged recruiters and who they've worked with and, uh, and who's 
produce results for them. Uh, as far as, you know, just going in blind, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of tough. You know who, I think most people, at least in the IT world, know who the, the, the main players are in their given market. It's changed a little bit now with remote work and kind of work from anywhere because you could talk to a recruiter out in San Francisco. It's got a great opportunity for you sitting right here in, in Michigan where two years ago, maybe they wouldn't have hired someone in that regard. They, they would want them local to their market. So uh, I think it really just takes a little bit of digging in your own network. Look out on Google or in the, the marketplace, uh, IT in the D or other groups that are on LinkedIn and find out who the players are in your in your market and then reach out to them. Just proactively find someone on LinkedIn, say, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to embark on a career change. I saw your company or I was referred to you and I'd like to start the conversation. I'd, I'd probably go in it real soft that way. That way they're not just jamming something down your neck. As I say, that's one of the reasons I always respected you because you were always one of the ones that would take that call. Even if you knew, um, you know, hey, I got this person, right? I, I think I came to you, you know, usually not too often. I, I don't go to the well that much, but you're typically, you've been one of my three go-tos over the last eight years. If I, someone's coming to me going, oh my God, I'm having the hardest time finding a job. I, you know, you were always one I said, because I knew you would take the call and Absolutely. you'd be respectful of their time and your time, you know. Um, but that's rare. It's it's really in all these years. It's really rare. Um, no question. I'm just making a statement on on. Um, sometimes that's harder than it than it looks to kind of just reach out to to recruiters, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I say go to people like yourself and people you trust in the community. Someone's going to have that connection in your your world of uh, expertise. That because. Because there's just enough of us out there in the marketplace that there's gonna there's always gonna be a connection you can have. I mean, even before we got on on this session here today, I was referred someone via LinkedIn in my network who was way outside my core, but I know a couple of people in my network in the in the staffing business and industry that work in this individual's particular wheelhouse, which happened to be logistics and supply chain. I just don't I don't do that, but I put them in touch with this individual. And they're going to give them a call tomorrow and, and extend my pleasantry in, in taking care of people. You know, I mean, that's just how the right ones in this business do it, I think. Because they'll take care of whoever puts call in. I mean, I can no, call somebody just because I have a, a Google listing out there for people that want to do general labor. And I always, I talk to them. I find out what do they want to do, where do they live. I get base information. And then I try to connect them with someone in the staffing industry networking it's a beautiful yeah. thing yeah it um, doesn't take any time to do that but it means the world to those people yeah so i always want to know what it takes to get in the business because i've talked to a lot of people that either dead-end jobs or just or never you know or let's say they've been tending bar and they're get you know they're getting a, a little older they want to get into it or that i'd like to break into security is 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 you know the network plus a plus still get you a help desk job or do you need to go over and above these days or are you even in tackling that that space, just entry level? Um, what I guess, what's the landscape look like today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I know that the market is hungry for people that want to make those those commitments and change. Um, and there are a lot more vehicles to do that than just A plus and network plus classes now. I mean, we know about Grand Circus. 
We know about some of these other organizations out there. And now companies are even setting up boot camps in their own organizations and training people that have the acumen and proven uh, ability to, to pick this stuff up. So, uh, and, and there's a lot of government money out there right now for this type of, this type of uh, training. There's grants going on. I mean, I'm, I'm on an IT council uh, through the uh, state of Michigan, and they've been talking a lot about this. Apprenticeships are real big because these grants will, will pay for the individuals to do the work for the, the companies that bring them in. They'll, they'll pay for a portion of their salaries for a period of time. Are they bringing in kind of recent grads? Are they bringing in kind of like someone that's within the org that's in like an old technology they want to re rebirth what is uh, or is it a mix what, what, a mix. what do you see it's a little bit of everything i mean you, you just need to be connected with the the right people and um and know where where to go uh and, and there's a lot of outreach going on too from these groups where they're, they're reaching out to people like me because typically my clients are coming to me for people with experience you know they're paying me a premium right. to bring folks to the table that can hit the ground running essentially. I, I do get some help desk things, some entry level from time to time, but they're very few and far between. And they're usually with established clients that are just like, we don't have time for this. Will you help us just identify a couple of people? But in the circles that I, I run in, they do talk about uh, these programs and developing talent and how important that is. And I know that's important because the the IT pros that are out there, that population is definitely aging. I mean, they're getting closer and closer to retirement and there's just not enough people in that 16 plus age group category to backfill all those roles. And it's just not there. Yeah. And that so, was one, you know, like I've always taken the, the mindset of always be learning, always, always, whether it's even from a, like me from a sales perspective or from a talent, um, you know, is it okay to just be happy doing one thing and being done or is because it's IT, you need to always be learning? I mean, I, I think it really comes down to the individual in that situation, obviously, but in IT, if you want to continue to progress your career, I would say that you always need to be, be learning. And there's just so many vehicles out there to learn between lunch and learns and user group meetings where they're, they're constantly teaching on the latest and greatest, although those, you know, have been virtual for the last few years. I'm ready for those to come back on board because I used to attend a lot of that stuff uh, back before a couple of years ago. I mean, every week I was out in the field attending those meetings. But uh, Wasn't Google offering like two, Randy, yeah. you might know this, like mm-hmm. two courses or two classes? Yeah. I per- Are those worth anything? You know, I'm not sure because I haven't had anybody go through those and get a job, Bob, but uh, but that came up on our last IT council meeting. They were talking specifically about that program. Randy, have you heard anything about that? Because I was just always curious. When I saw it happen, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but I've never really heard it being, is it just for Google-only employees and partners, I wonder? or It doesn't ring a bell to me. I know it was like, what was it, Jim? Was it AI and ML? And then there was a... Uh, was it data analytics? Yeah, they didn't really get into the the specific courses. They were just talking about this Grow with Google initiative is what they were talking about. And it, it's similar to what I was talking about. It's kind of almost like scholarship driven from what I understand. And I, I, I don't know much. It was just mentioned kind of in passing. But uh, there was some information at uh, www.grow.google backslash employers. 
apparently they they had mentioned I just have the information here on my desk, but yeah, I see it now. It's IT support, data analytics, project management, UX design, and Android development. Yeah. Uh, UX design is a big one. I know it's what's the time not what's as the time, IT ish related. Uh, Randy, what's that? What do they say? What the time commitment is on those? Uh, ten hours a week. Or under like, ten hours a week. For for how long? Um, that's a good question. I don't. Just curious. We don't have to talk about it now. I'm just, yeah. It's you know another uh, another golf club to put in the bag, right? So, Jim, any uh, you know, we'll, we'll cut you loose. We sincerely appreciate your time. Any uh, any parting words? Um, what's what's the you know your hottest uh, request right now for technologies or something someone should be learning? What's uh, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really do appreciate you giving me the time on the on the show here today. It's always fun hanging out with you guys. Like when we were in the studio, probably a little better because it was uh, a little more raucous and fun. But, um, but I would say that really, you know, just put yourself out there. You know, if you're you're looking for something new, be, take a little risk. Put yourself out there. Make sure you you've got your resume polished up. It's concise. It's consumable. Uh, leverage your network of contacts. Start with LinkedIn. Start with people that you, you've known throughout your career. Reach out to them. Let them know you're looking to make that change. And then obviously, like you inquired about earlier, find an agent that will listen to you and document your current situation, what you're looking for in your, your next career move, and then hold them accountable to bringing you great opportunities that meet those criteria that you're looking for in that career change and, and leverage your, your experience. And the network. I mean, yeah, keep looking at meetup and see, keep, you know, I think we've been doing in-person, but I don't think a lot of people have. So yeah, keep, uh, keep an eye out on, on uh, in-person events. We did a, a data for breakfast last week and there was, I mean, it was packed, you know, at the Royal world park hotel. Um, sh- totally shocked. How yeah. like, I think 75 ish people for, for a sit down PowerPoint, presentation event with free breakfast yeah that was uh we were we were you know we were excited so yeah definitely get out there but uh we can find you jim your your last name is weird to spell it's uh, you, i always i, I want to call you beer meister every time i see it but it's b-e-i-e-r so uh, you can find jim on linkedin jim Beiermeister rmc agency um seriously appreciate the uh the the friendship and and amongst the, everything else uh you know over the years it's been great having you around and uh you know, we'll see you at the next event. Thank you, Bob. Likewise. Love you guys and love the program. Keep up the good work here. It's great. Likewise. Appreciate you, man. All the best. We'll see you soon. Yep. Uh, I'd like to wrap things up for this episode 431 of the IT and the D show. On behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone number. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.